Welcome, everyone. Welcome to uh, a little show we call Swing Thoughts. I don't know what you call them, but we call it Swing Thoughts. Uh, it really is uh, golf's number one destination to take apart and put back together the mental side of golf. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Yes, that guy. Golf spiritual leader, along with uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, uh, Guelph guru, uh, coach of the Guelph Griffins, and uh, the mental performance coach at the Glen Abbey Golf Academy. Uh, have I missed anything? No, no. We got all the G's going. Guelph guru, Guelph Griffins, golf. <laughs> A lot of G's. We covered the letter G pretty well this morning. Um, no one can say we're not covering the letter G is what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think this is the letter of the day. Maybe this is uh, Sesame Street golf. That's right. Um, well, listen, everyone, uh, there's no uh, getting around the fact that we're proud to be uh, sponsored by the good folks at TaylorMade. Uh, don't forget the uh, new M5, M6 drivers. Experience injected twist face and discover why not all speed is created equal. Injected twist face only from TaylorMade. Also, Adidas Golf. Oh, my sweet baby. It is unbelievable. Uh, golf spiritual leader and Tim O'Connor wearing the uh, Adidas, uh, of the polos, the uh, the bolos, <laughs> the uh, I'm festooned this morning. Are you? Resplendent <laughs> in my Adidas polo. Uh, I love the words uh, festooned and resplendent. <clears throat> Some of my favorite characters from Shakespeare. Also, Bushnell Range Finders. There you go. There's the... Uh, Beginning of the program today, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. It's good to be with you, as always. Our podcast now, and it's uh, fourth year, I guess. And, of course, we're happy to be on TSN Hamilton. I didn't tell you this. They moved our time. Oh. Yeah, they moved it. I, but here's the thing. We're not on uh, at 11 a.m. anymore on Saturdays. I think we're on uh, 10 a.m. Sundays. and We're on twice now, though. I mean, we, we, we negotiated a second uh, running. Wow. I know. Growth. We're over a hundred podcasts. Uh, we're got on the radio twice. Oh Just, yeah, it's a tsunami of swing thoughts. So, um, like I said on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Tim's uh, recent club championship chaos. We're not going too much detail, do we? No, no. You don't. Have you not? Have you not noticed that in our correspondence, I uh, haven't once asked you what those numbers were. Yeah, well, it's kind of you. That's sensitive. What? <laughs> uh, well, you'll, we'll explain what that means. But Tim, Tim had a, you know, like a lot of us, had some golf tournament chaos, and we'll talk about what happens and what you can learn from it. Also on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world of golf. The FedEx Cup playoffs are winding down or just starting up. Well, they, they started last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and um, Tiger Woods, most compelling figure still in the game of golf. And where it might go for him. And then later on in the program, I'll tell you about a uh, trip I just took. Literally last night, uh, I've been uh, back in Toronto or wherever I live. I guess I'm in Toronto. For about seven hours, I was at Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs. And uh, as I said to you in a note, Tim, you know, very few things ever, you know, sort of lift, live up to and surpass your expectations. And that place, uh, definitely one of them. And you also had an experience Recently golfing in uh, the Canadian Splendor at uh, where? Grey Wolf in uh, the Rockies in BC. It was incredible. Just incredible mountain golf course. And we'll Doug talk. Carrick. Ugh, brilliant. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that and what it's like, uh, how golf can take us to these places and not just uh, what you can learn about yourself 
and how to play better golf through uh, mental strategies, but also just the just the beauty of it. It's ridiculous. I said to my uh, lady friend uh, last evening before I took off, I said, she said, what was it like? I said, it was like playing golf in a painting. Oh, yeah, well said. Nice, nice. It, it's because I'm not much of a, never have been much of a picture-taking guy, even though we all have cameras on our phones, but. I, I found myself the first couple of days while I was waiting to, to hit, I, I just found myself turning in 360, didn't know where to look and taking pictures. It was it was something else. So it's almost, like it's almost like there's no point to taking a picture because you <laughs> just can't ever live up to, unless you got incredible equipment. It just can't live up to what you experience in that moment. You know, that's, that's so I, – I said that a couple of days ago to one of my buddies. I go I, – I, because I was looking at some of the pictures over breakfast, and I said, you know, the cameras are great on these phones, but I said it, it doesn't do it justice. It really, I know that's cliche to say it. It just doesn't do it. I, not, not, no picture I took, with the exception of one, just when it was starting to get a little bit uh, dark one night, only one picture of all the dozens I took can do it justice anyway let's talk a little bit about the uh, mo norman tournament quickly uh yesterday tim was uh, participating in a uh, what was it called it's the mo norman crime stoppers tournament to draw attention to uh the important work that crime stoppers does not only in around waterloo but around uh the province but uh it was a lot of fun got to play with uh rich norman uh mo's brother and mo's nephew tim and todd graves who teaches the Mo Norman swing, if you will, the single plane action through the Graves Golf Academy. Um, we were at Foxwood, um, and we had an amazing, amazing day, a lot of fun, and, and just a great time sharing most stories, just hanging with those guys. But uh, afterwards, we went to Rich's car, and he opens up the, uh, the hatch, and there's a pair of Mo's alligator foot joy shoes. Wow. And it was just so cool to look at these shoes and Mo even had a particular way of lacing them up and oh it was just it was just that was just um just kind of a significant moment in an absolutely great day and uh, i noticed uh, on your posting that someone was asking you about the mo norman documentary and I, i've seen if you if you can people go online and i know there's like a bit of a preview on youtube is that still up Oh, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, if you just go into YouTube and, you know, Mo Norman documentary, a bunch of different stuff will come up, and it's really, really interesting. Todd Graves is the guy behind it, uh, helping raise the monies for it and organizing it, and he's got such a great team. Uh, Barry Morrow, who wrote the uh, the Oscar-winning screenplay for Rain Man, yeah. uh, he, he's a key guy behind it, and they've got all kinds of interviews with Pretty well, you know, all the key people that Mo knew through his life, and uh, they're still trying to track down some uh, some key people. Uh, but it's coming close to wrapping up, and and Todd's really looking forward to getting into uh, post production and um, maybe getting it uh, debuting it uh, next fall. I guess that would be twenty twenty uh, at uh, perhaps even the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah, it would be. I would be a natural for it. Uh, I've. Anyone who's a, a fan of the game or is interested in Mo Norman, it's a great documentary. And there's about, I think it's 20 or 25 minutes online. Go check it out. You know, what we learn, the more I, the more I think about these things and the more we've, you know, done the show and read the books and spoken to all these amazing people, you know, the more you realize that 
you know, what Mo, the genius, see, I used to think that the genius of Mo Norman was that he was able to stand in a spot and hit six million golf balls. And of course, if you did that, well, you'd be bound to uh, learn to repeat a golf swing. But it's that's not the case. And, and I used to think, well, if I could hit six million balls, I would hit it straight every time. But you won't. What what Mo learned on the first ball of those six million, or what he learned along the way, was his own swing. That's the takeaway. He had a swing. It was his. So, of course, he could repeat it because he wasn't trying to do something uh, from someone else's catalog of swing ideas and concepts. It was Mo's swing. He he invented his own swing. Who would have invented a swing that looks so unorthodox and compared right. to to the way people swing? Like even in the nineteen forties and fifties, people looked at Mo and went, "Guys, a guys a schmo." Yeah. How are you going to hit it with that kind of grip and that wide and all that kind of stuff? But Mo completely owned his own swing, and that was from. I really think just really being aware of what was happening in his own body. Right. As opposed to being, just as you said, as opposed to being trying to match some kind of model about how you're supposed to swing, none of that stuff made any impression on him at all. And, 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 and as a guy that used to view the game as something that I needed to, if I could just repeat yeah. these concepts and remember this checklist, and if I could just get enough of those into my game, then I'd be good. But uh, but more importantly, I'd own my own swing. But the fact is, you know, you look at some of the, the best ball strikers, the, the ones people always talk about. They talk about Mo Norman. They talk about George Knudsen. They talk about Ben Hogan. And they talk about Lee Trevino. There couldn't right. be four different models of golf swings than those guys. Even Nicholas, when he came out, they were talking about his flying elbow and all these other technical things. When in reality, you know, nowadays... In these nowadays, in nowadays times, <laughs> God, uh, we got this guy. God, we're old, eh? <laughs> in the, hey, we're so old. Back when men were men. Back in the old days, but nowadays times, we have this fellow Matthew Wolf, and this kid. Yeah. He's yeah. he has the highest clubhead speed on the PGA Tour. He's swinging at about one thirty-one, even higher than this Cameron Champ kid. The point is. If you look at his swing, you you would never teach that to somebody, right? But maybe you should, or but the or should I, I? But the idea, the point I'm trying to make is those great ball strikers found the something that worked for them, and so of course they, they could repeat it. They own their swing, right? They completely own it. They feel it. They I, I'm not sure the right this is the right word. Understand it, but they are able to make it work for them and. That to me is just the key thing that you can feel your swing, what's happening, and you, and and it's just it's a part of you. It's like part of your your DNA. And it's it, I love what you said. It was I think it was last week about, about somebody coming to the golfers. You go, wait a sec, I forgot. What's my swing key? Right. I, I told you. What so I said you don't was, even need. So 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 you bypass that. It's just part of you. It's just part of your body. The way. It works. But I, I know that's an experience a lot of people have gone through, which is they, I've stood over a golf ball in my t- time, and I thought, I can't remember what I was supposed to be remembering. Exactly. Like, And I've done this, as, as you have, most people, by the time you get to this stage of life in the game, I've made millions of golf swings. How can I not remember how to make my own golf swing? And the reason I couldn't is I was trying to make somebody else's 
idea for me or something I read, and all, and all that's fine. But at some point, you have to stand over a golf ball and just kind of know, to some degree, it will go somewhere. And, and if it doesn't, you'll find it and it will go somewhere the next time, you know? Um, all very, uh, and, and we're going to get into this. It's, 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 I, it's, should we tell the story? I don't know. I, I have so much I want to talk to you about. But can we save Fred? Well, save sure. the Fred Shoemaker part to the second half. Uh, he's a very famous, uh, amazing golf guide, instructor, coach, whatever you want to call him. But uh, we've had him on the show. Tim's been to his workshop. And both Tim and I have scheduled um, coaching sessions with him today, which I think is adorable. Um, <laughs> adorable. Love let's uh, quickly get to some golf stuff. The uh, FedEx Cup is on. And I, I, the reason I wanted to bring it up is not to take it apart and talk about strokes gain, this and that. I just wanted to get your con- your idea because you, know, you and I have been around the game a long time. You've been covering it a long time. And now I think we're in year 13 of the FedEx Cup. There's a generation of young golfers and golf fans that this is all they've known. What about you? Did, did you... Did you have any thoughts when they first introduced it? And, and do you have any thoughts about where it's gone now as a, as a vehicle to attract fans and make the, the season more exciting? Well, when it first came out, I kind of went, oh, really? Do you really need this? I, I thought it was just kind of the tour's way to try to compete with, say, you know, NFL football or something like that, to kind of create a different way of exciting the casual golf fan. And... So I wasn't really that big on it. Uh, I thought there's too many events piled close to each other. But I've grown to like it. Uh, I like the fact that it grows in intensity. And you have some of the best players in the world, um, you know, grinding week after week to try and keep going. And so in many ways, it, it is a little bit more like, you know, a Stanley Cup playoff where it's there's you, know, you might you have to battle some fatigue and you got to keep going and yeah, there's some built-in excitement as guys are trying to make you know whatever the number is to to stay within it. So I think it's done a, a really nice job. Um, we have some great winners uh, last couple of years. Like I loved watching Rory. Uh, was that two years ago? Rory was I, well. No, Justin was right. Yeah. So Justin Rose was last year. I think McElroy was 17. No, I think McElroy was 16, and Justin Thomas was 17. Yeah. Well, part of it, it's still to me though. I don't know, this part of it, it still battles kind of an, like, I think Justin Rose won with making a bogey at the BMW or something. Was that last? No, no, he, he, he won the tour championship. No, Tiger won the tour championship. Right. And Justin won the FedEx Cup because he had enough points that it, on the last hole, it didn't matter what he did. He was going to c- c- keep his place. Well, they, so I don't know. That part of it still, uh, well, and the scoring done, system is weird, but, but you know, overall, they, changed that, overall I like it. Do you know they changed this? So, what they're doing because of that, because there could be, there was always a possibility, and, and I think it's happened most of the time that the Tour Championship winner is not the FedEx Cup winner. Right. So what they've done? Did you hear this? So what they've done is they've so at the end of this weekend, you'll be seated one through thirty for the Tour Championship, and the number one seed starts next week. And this is where it's going to get a little bit gimmicky is the number one seed in the FedEx Cup after this weekend's BMW Championship in Chicago will get to start next week at 10 under par. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And then the person in second place is 8 under par, and so on down the line, so that if you win, the guy that wins next weekend not only is going to win the Tour Championship, but is also going to win the FedEx Cup. So as convoluted as starting with a 10 under par 
hand, reverse handicap, if you will, it still will crown a champion of both of them at the same time. It's, I guess, the only way they could figure out how to do it. You know, being a person who can barely remember a phone number and figure <laughs> out times tables, uh, anything to do with math, I generally have an aversion. So I think I read an article about it. Went, oh, I don't get it on this read through. Oh, I'll probably get it to the next time. <laughs> That's so, so thank you. Well, but you know, if, <laughs> it, 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 again, it sounds kind of gimmicky. But if you so next Thursday when they start that final tournament, the guy at the top of the, there will be a leaderboard before he starts. It'll be, let's say, it's Kepka. Kepka will be a score of 10 under par and then go from there. The, the people that are between 25th to 30th or whatever start even par. So basically, you know, everyone has a chance to win. But if you start 10 behind the guy in number one, you know, you got a lot of ground to make up. I still struggle with a thing where you need a guy like Steve Sands at a whiteboard to explain it. Yeah, and they're not. That's the thing is they they. <laughs> Funny you mention that because they've been they've been referencing no whiteboard anymore, no Steve Sands trying to professor Corey, you know the. Anyway, I always uh, thought that was the time you get a sandwich. Um, a Steve Sands witch. Hey, everybody! Oh, that was the radio guy. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, golf spiritual leader's favorite golfer, obviously. Um, I like him too. That's fine. You can have. We can both have favorites. We can share. Have sharesies with Tiger. So, uh, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, I I've been saying this for the last few weeks to have months. I, you know, we we got last year, starting in 2017 into 2018, and now into 2019 with Tiger winning the Masters. You know what? That's it. we've had a good run. I don't know that Tiger Woods. I, I I would love to and I would hope that he could continue that kind of pace. But you, it's easy to see that he is just every day that goes by is just getting older. And I don't know. He the did, bald spot's getting bigger. The bald spot is going to take over his whole head. You know, time like no one gets out of this uh, alive. You know, it's, and uh, what I'm trying to say is, if that's all we. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good 15 months or whatever it was for me as a fan, for you as a fan. I don't know what else we want from the guy, you know? Like, he shot one under in the first round, and, and they say he looked pretty good, but I don't know. The problem is he's his body won't allow him to practice to the level that you need to to stay PGA Tour sharp. Which is why we didn't see him... I he hardly played anything but the majors this year. I well, remember it was Padraig Harrington saying, hey, how can you show up at the Open Championship, which is just an unbelievable physical endurance test, and you, so how in golf shape are you, and how in shape are you in just competing? Even Tiger said it before, You've got to be tournament tough, you've got to play tournaments. So yeah. he, he obviously has to, has to take it very easy. So is it over? I don't know. Gosh, it's hard to say. I mean, for years and years, people were saying, oh, Tiger's done. Then he comes and wins. Oh, the Masters. So it's hard to close the door on this dude. No, and I, and I agree. And I, from, listen, he just cut from a different cloth. I don't know. but I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I suspect yeah. that there's we're going to see that, that excitement, that kind of Tiger, that, like I guess, and that sort of 18 months or whatever it was from the Hero Challenge of 2017 when he was 1,099th in the world right. to getting back and winning the Masters. That was a, you know, that's that they'll make a movie about that someday. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I'm, I'm just saying, like, what, what, if, if that's all we got, then, you know, listen, he might come back and win another major in four more tournaments. He might. But I, I don't know. He just looked – he just looked – the whole thing looks to me like, you know, he's going to be very judicious with the amount that he's going to play in that who knows if he can continue. Uh, speaking of tournament tough, um, we've got about five minutes before we get to our first break. And last time we talked a lot about uh, my um, senior uh, amateur uh, whatever. A and you, weeks you ago. rocketed up the rankings in Ontario. I'm uh, now you're you're speaking to the 27th ranked senior in Ontario. Thank you very much. And uh, man, I, I got I was so excited. I got my invitation from Golf Canada for the third year in a row. I've been invited to play in a national championship, and I can't tell you how. Excited that makes me, and I'm thrilled. Oh, but let's 100%. but let's talk if we let's start talking about golf's uh, uh, golf spiritual leader will now act as your sounding board for uh, some of the thoughts you had around uh, the uh, Tim O'Connor Club Championship, sir. Well, in an email that you shared with me this week, you said that tournament golf can be chaos, and it <laughs> and absolutely it it, it is. Um, and it's so interesting is that, you know, so I do this. So, so many of the people that I coach are really good players, like, you know, college kids on scholarships, really good amateurs um, who are really trying to take their game, you know, business leaders, that type of thing. And the reason I do it is because I walk in their shoes. I've been through, through this and I still suffer some of the same slings and arrows. And so on the eve of the championship, uh, a friend of mine, uh, George McNamara, who we've had on the show before, he saw through the magic of V1 video that I was, my setup was set up. He said that, boy, if I wanted to teach someone how to hit the ball fat, that's what I showed him <laughs> with my head behind the ball and right shoulder down. And so I thought, oh, you know what? Guys, Tim, 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 hang on a second. That's really funny when you think about it. It's like your swing's a model if you want to hit it incorrectly. That's great. Thank you, George. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I just love the way he put that. Um, so I went, okay, that's not such a big deal. I just like get feel it my setup and just swing. Well, on the, on the first tee, it was like just this out-of-body experience blur. And I just yanked it as far left as you can and sure. opened up my club C with a quad. Yeah. You I don't even think I Just felt like you and my, Rory. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even think I felt me and Rory. I've never heard that in a sentence as applied to a tournament before, but there you go. Um, I don't think I felt my golf club until maybe the fifth or sixth hole. Yeah. It was just... I was just so disconnected from my, from what was going on. And what was interesting to me is that I remember like the night before, hey, hey, I'm not nervous. I woke up, hey, I'm not nervous. Go to the practice range, I'm not nervous. Walk on the first tee, oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> and just how that makes once I'm I was in the environment that because I and I wasn't used to it for one thing. It's just that's where I went. You know what I. If you're not in the fire of tournament golf, it is such a different animal. And so it was chaotic and crazy and funny and and, and everything. But um, I, I, I like what you said there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I like. But one of the things you said is, I don't think I felt my golf club until about the fifth or sixth hole. And 
And again, you know, like you have a lot of experience in the, on the coaching side of this, because I don't really work with anybody but my own self. But I have, as you said, I'm, I'm in the fire all the time. You know, yeah. I, by the time this season's over, even with a month where I couldn't play and I had a ton of tournaments that month of May, I'll end up playing 15 tournaments. Some of them are full week long, you know, banners and coaches and players only tournaments. And and I, and I still have that same experience. Now, my, my, I can feel my golf club a little sooner than that, only because I know that that feeling is going to happen. And, and often with me, I'm a, I'm a traditional, I start with a bogey. Even if I somehow, for some, you know, I mean, because I, I just seem to be a little more tense than I think I am. But usually within a hole or two, I start to find my feet. But you said something to me. You said, I, I, when, in your email, you said something to the effect of, I need to play more tournaments. And that's... And that's really what it is. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more about uh, Tim's club championship. I uh, had a chance to play Cabot. Uh, Tim played uh, Gray. Is it Gray Wolf? Gray Wolf. Gray Wolf. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, all of this on Canada's uh, most uh, provocative uh, mental golf uh, podcast that's recorded uh, out of Etobicoke. All right, we'll see you in a second. Get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park. In the meantime, sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. you here on TSN Hamilton and, of course, around the world at, uh, at Swing Thoughts on iTunes. If you wouldn't mind, just go check out our Facebook page. You know, make some comments, say some things. O'ConnorGolf.ca, that's Tim O'Connor. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Uh, every morning, uh, Monday through Saturday on Funny 820 and on a bunch of other Bell radio stations. Uh, the Humble and Fred Show is uh, heard everywhere and, of course, at HumbleandFredRadio.com. And it's very funny, folks. Thank you. Uh, before very, the very, uh, break, very, we were talking about very, Tim O'Connor, Tim O'Connor's uh, recent club championship, and um, without getting into the uh, gory details, meaning the actual numbers you shot, why don't you describe, because we were just talking there during the break about how there's the theory that we're talking about, which is this show, and then there's the practical. It's like, you can't know what it feels like to jump out of an airplane. You can talk about it. You can get your instruction, but at some point... You just have to jump out of the airplane. So the club championship starts. You quad the first hole. By about the fourth or fifth hole, you kind of get a, a sense of where you are. And, and then talk to – because I loved what happened to you through the weekend. You started to become more aware. You started to have a chance to have to use this as a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, like, it's like, okay, I'm back in the seat. Listen to uh, you. I have to go back in the experience. Did you hear, did you hear how I had I to know I did. That's there? why I laughed. Just like, T- Tim, take me back to the 11. <sighs> <laughs> Do I have to? Okay. Tim. Now. Yes, I'm, yes. I feel like Fraser Crane. I'm listening. <laughs> and I'm talking now. As the tournament went on, I had all the things I think that happened to, to all golfers. I had the, the story go, yeah, I made an 11. 
I made an 11. And, and so I said to the, Greg Pacetti, the, the director of golf there, what changes could you make next year, he asked. And I said, uh, we could bring equitable stroke control. To <laughs> that's right. Uh, but it's standing in the fire. Actually, you know what? That's an interesting point. It's the standing in the fire of doing it. You have to hold out. There's no, okay, I got to double my ball goes in my handicap. Yeah. That's part of what makes the club championship and tournaments so hard if you're if you know i wasn't used to it so i had to i had the same stories going hey i'm a mental performance coach i made an 11 what are people going to think well they don't think at all they don't care yeah they they honestly don't care everyone's the first thought people think is uh yeah i've done that listen man exactly you know i'm always thinking yeah what you know you're talking about your 10 and they're thinking like Oh, wait till I hear about my 12 I made a couple of years. <laughs> well, two things uh, quickly before you continue. One is what tournament golf does to the average golfer is it takes the ceiling off your how bad a score could be. Because, <laughs> we, because we've all played, you know, even on men's night where we hole everything out, there is a maximum you can make um, on a – but so when you remove the ceiling, it's limitless. <laughs> yes, and, you know? and so the elephant in the room is: What did Tim shoot the first round? I shot a ninety-four, and it was like ouchie, ouchie. Buddy. And but 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 I was right. By the way, the was that with the eleven, it. or that was the was just with the quad? That was with the quad. Okay, but but so but it's like. Everyone, everyone limps in, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've shot myself out of it. I was right in the thick of it. Of course you were. <laughs> I was right in the thick of it. I could still – so, Tim, anyways, the key – Tim, hold on a second. Let's, that's a great lesson for you people listening. You're going into a tournament or your club championship. Just keep this in mind. No matter how much chaos you think you're going through, everybody else is as well. Everybody's having a moment or two on the golf course, just like you. They all are. We all absolutely. Are. In the in the second round, I played with this great guy. He shoots a seventy-seven, uh, and even I think he he went par birdie par to close a seventy-seven. <sighs> Next day, ninety-four. Yep. It, and again, all of us who are playing in this thing have not very much tournament experience. There's only a few. And so not surprisingly, Tom Nowak, who plays in a ton of GTA Am tournaments, he plays he's played he's plays in fewer provincial events than he used to, uh, defending club champ, he wins. And I think that the key piece to take away from this folks is that just what we talked about, it's the it's really kind of like the the mind physical experience of playing and feeling the tension and and it, it, it disconnects you from your body. I mean, it's like I've talked about this a few times that you'll see someone who's like a journeyman pro. Let's say he's won a John Deere, or some you know the, the lower range tournaments, if you will, in the PGA Tour, finds himself or herself in contention in a major on a Sunday. They you know they blow up. And because they're so, their body is just doing stuff that they're not used to. Too much tension, you know, like all that natural release they used to have gone out the window. So it's just experiencing it, and it's just part of experiencing. And no amount of books read, courses taken, workshops witnessed is going to make a difference until I'm in more in the fire to understand what's going on in my body 
and how my brain particularly my mind will default to old patterning of you know the story search for the thing you know the 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 thing that all those things that you mentioned workshops and coaching and practice the thing that's the things that those can do for you is give you a foundation to rely on the problem with only occasionally playing tournament golf is that as you say as soon as there's some push on you pressure or whatever you want to call it we will default human beings default to their sort of base behavior and as we mentioned last week one of the things i've realized again i i realized this talking to charles fitzsimmons that the the years of doing this work that i've done and playing when i say 15 tournaments i'm not including the club tournaments you know like i'm playing in the willie park and i'm playing in this, this senior qualifier i'm playing in this and those mo- the, when you look down the range and everybody that you are warming up with is your level or better uh, so there's you're not no you're no longer the big fish in the small pond. There's all those things that you you have to feel in order to learn how you will will react to them, and also being comfortable with that. You know where is your so my default burn rate now is pretty different than it used to be. <clears throat> the fact that I made a nine in a tournament and followed it up with a series of good play is because. I know that that other people will be struggling. I know that struggling is part of what I'm going to go through and that, you know, you you have to play the next hole. Unlike, you know, men's night or with your friends, you can just, you know, do whatever you want. But I I play in tournaments where they're not only uh, where not only is your score count, but they're also posting it, (laughs) you know, and online online. So I you know, it was only Four years ago, I played in the Ontario uh, Mid-Am and shot 92 in the first round because I got out there and I just wasn't used to it. I hadn't played in a GAO event in, at that point, 13 years, and I thought I was, you know, ready for it because I used to play them all the time. But all of a sudden, I get in there, and just like you, it took me, it wasn't until the middle of the second day that I got comfortable. All sorts of things happen in that round that don't normally happen to me, and as you say, there's there's those tournament golf things, that 11 that you made. You know, you'd never make an 11 because you just wouldn't. Yeah, I, well, the ball would go in my pocket. But I see the value. So Tom Nowak, who's our you know two-time club champ at Blue Springs, he holds out always. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's a point of pride for him. But it, more than that, he's getting his reps in. And that's the kind of the thing where I wanted to go with this around – how do we change behavior? How do we move towards what we want to when we want to do something different, whether it's you know, stop overeating, be more assertive, be better on the golf course? We have to get our reps in, which is a different way of saying integration. Yeah. And it's like people will read a self-help book. They get a self-help book on Friday at lunch. Uh, and read it all weekend and by Sunday night, I'm cured of whatever this is. <laughs> That's right. And as soon as they are under stress, hungry, tired, just the stuff that, you know, it's like being on the golf course, being on that first tee and feeling the stress of it. We default to our old behavior. And that's because our brains are wired to keep us alive and survival. So we'll go back to those old ways. So the only way, whatever it's a, it's a, it's a behavior pattern, it's golf, it's losing weight, whatever it's 
integrating these new behaviors in what we want to do and and practicing them and keeping them in front of us. And the only way that that can happen in in a golf setting is to put yourself, myself, in the fire of the experience. And that's why it's so necessary for any kind of improvement that we want to make in our lives is that we have to do the work and keep it in front of us all the time. Well, another great way to, I, I, I love all that. And another way to think about it is unless you disrupt, disrupt yeah. your behavior, your behavior will always be, you know, what it is. Um, well, that's why people talk about, sorry, but people talk about you, you only grow when you're uncomfortable. Exactly. And you, you have to be on your, what you call your growth edge, or it's just the same stuff over and over. You know, I, I so I, I was very excited about, you know, my play at the amateur, and then I was equally excited about qualifying for the Canadian senior amateur. And I, you know, I got the invitation or the registration last week, and it. then I go to the tournament page, and my name's on that list of pay, people playing in it. But That's I, cool, man. It That's is cool, cool, but where I'm going with this is I now have year after year experience. And this is the, when I, here's the thing. The club championship for a lot of us is very, very, uh, chaotic because it's we don't we don't do it much. Where I'm at now is I'm I'm looking forward to this for so many reasons, but not the least of which is I have a sense of what I'm going to experience because I've got recent experience doing it. You know, I hadn't done a lot of stand up for a long time. I'd done golf tournament hosting and corporate functions, but those aren't stand up. That's not standing in a nightclub in front of strangers. And the first few I'd say first dozen times I went back doing it, I was out of my body. I, I'd been, it felt so oh, yeah. foreign to me because I hadn't had any recent experience with it. And it's what you're saying. If you want to be better in tournaments, you have to put yourself in more tournaments so that you go from shooting a 94 to an 84 to a 77 to all of a sudden you're out there, like I was in uh, Taboo a few weeks ago. I'm out there and I'm feeling normal-ish. I'm aware it's a tournament. I'm, you know, the first round I shot 76. And I was aware as that round was going on that I'm having a pretty decent day in a pretty big event. But I didn't dwell on that. I just was like, oh, I'm out here in the field. And I'm okay. Even though the next day I made a nine and a double, I still was okay because I've got some recent experience. And that what served me that, that day I took the nine was reminding myself that others would be struggling too. It's not just me. And that if I kept trying, maybe I'd make the cut. But if I, kept, if I didn't try, I wouldn't. The point is, you, you, you eventually, once you do it enough, you feel more yourself. So instead of taking five holes next year, it takes a hole or two, and then you're like, okay, I'm out here. The last thing I'll say is the trick is to try not to make a quad <laughs> to, you know, make, make a nice soft bogey on the first hole next time. Yeah. So, so I made, so I made a quad off the, uh, my opening tee shot. So of course going into day two, so going into day two, I went, okay, I'm, I uh, got my reps in here. I'm centered. I'm, I'm breathing. And I think I hit my tee shot about 60 yards. Um, I, you know, I just cold topped it. And it was just like, I just start, started laughing because <laughs> I was just, I was still like, okay, what's this thing I'm holding? 
oh, this happens to be a golf club. <laughs> you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't something that I need to just like integrate. Like, I have to squeeze it so hard it becomes part of my body. Um, oh, God. isn't that crazy? That, it is that- crazy. And you know, just maybe just to wrap this up somewhat, what by the end of the second round, I'm starting to hit it actually pretty good. Yeah. And I went into the third round. I still made, uh, that's when I made my historic 11. Uh, but I had just found how that piece around my setup and being more balanced and feeling more on top of it, as we, as we talked about. What happened for me was I started to feel that if I, I could just feel my my left foot, my lead foot connected with the ground, and then I started to hit the ball, some of the best ball striking of the year. And I was hitting it so well on number eight at Blue Springs. I hit this drive that went through the fairway, and we never found it. And because I hit it too good. That's pretty <laughs> and, good. You know, like a good problem to have. Yeah, but, but before, listen, I don't want anyone to get started to go, well, so if I focus on my left foot, I'll hit it good too. No, and no, that, no. The but, point is that once you are back in your body – once and I you, found it. Yes, yeah, you, for you, me. You found the Tim swing, whatever the right. the, the swing that Absolutely. you normally make. That's and, the point. Yeah. Okay. That's the key point. So that's great. Take all that away and uh, make a, uh, no uh, no more elevens, no more eights. Um, it's it's the, the it's like the the you you have to be aware in order for your in order to allow. Uh, your body, you know, the thing is most, and even people listening are going, well, it doesn't happen to me. Yeah, it does. You know, there's a big, one of the classic jokes around any golf course is you can always tell when the club championship is coming because people you've never seen on near a putting green or chipping are all of a sudden starting to practice. Cause it's oh, almost and like, see, and then you see guys come to the range an hour early and yeah. they're doing all these stretching, it's like that cramming for an exam. Before. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, and actually the, the way that, the way that I kind of, uh, got over my trauma of my club C was by playing in my very next, uh, my very, very next golf event was playing in a scramble. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> a scramble is like a, a palate cleanser in between a horrible meal. Yeah, well said. Um, okay. Listen, I got to talk about this cause, uh, I just came back from Cabot links. You were in gray wolf. I'm, I'm wonderful scenery. I'm sure. And, uh, but I can tell you a couple things. You know, I'm not. I'm really haven't played a lot of famous courses. I played St Andrews years ago with my father and Carnoustie, and I guess those are famous. But I mean, I've never played Pebble Beach. I've never played, you know, uh, Firestone. But but Cabot Links is, I think, well, it's ranked number one in Canada. The uh, the Cliffs Course and the Links is number three. The Cliffs Course is ranked ninth in the world in terms of world course rankings, and that is outside of the U.S. I think in the world, it's in the top hundred. So it was pretty exciting to go and play there. But I can tell you, golf aside, first thing is, I can't remember if I said this on the show today or off the show, but it it was like, I was trying to describe it. It's like being in a painting. Yeah. And when you're walking along the fairway, you just don't know where to look. It's just, it's a bit of sensory overload. And, um... And my goal—I didn't. I shouldn't say my goal. I, I just—I wanted to go there and experience it, experience it, regardless of my score and my golf game. I made that as a bit of an intention. I said to myself, "Listen, it, what, whatever numbers, don't get caught up in the numbers because it doesn't matter. It's just you're going to get a chance to play this amazing thing, and 
And a lot of people would love that. So I, I, I knew going in there I wasn't going to be too absorbed with what did, what did I shoot. As it happened, I, I've been hitting the ball pretty nicely for quite some time, and so I just assumed that would continue, and it did. But I will tell you that these two golf courses, and I played it in wind in the morning with no wind in the evening. I played 36 one day. We walked. I walked five rounds of golf. It's, an, it's a pretty easy walk, but I would say this, that overall, it lives up to the hype. It, it's, you know, it's not, it's not inexpensive, but it is one of those things that we're really lucky to have. It's, you know, it's a, you fly out to Halifax, three hours later, you're in Inverness, um, which is the home of Ashley McIsaac, if you're a fiddle fan, or the McMasters, the Canadian fiddle family. And when you see the golf course, it's just golf. <clears throat> it's not a resort. There's, a, there's beautiful accommodations. But when you look around, all the people you see, they can all kind of play. I'm not saying they're good. You know what I mean? They're not elite, but they're all players. They're all people that came there all from all over the world for the golf experience. I hear that over and over again, that Cabot Cliffs, Cabot Links, just world world top you know like it's up there with anything you absolutely. can experience and it's absolutely delivers completely there's all the hype but absolutely lives up to it and as someone who's been fortunate enough to play in ireland and scotland uh that's other people who've been there say oh yeah timmer this is just maybe even bypasses some of the some of it because of some of the um, well, we the Canadi- settings on the cliffs and yeah, whatnot. We Canadians, you know, we <clears throat> sometimes think that you know, other just if it's Canadian, it can't be good. Um, but in actual fact, like like this is as good as Banyan Dunes and Whistling Straits, and you know, having played Lynx golf in Scotland, Lynx being a term that means the land that linked the town to the sea, and Cabot is a true Lynx golf course, true in the sense that. I'll give you an example. I hit a uh, 105-yard 9-iron one day, and I hit a 300-yard 3-wood downwind. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of golf where if yeah. you have 185 to the hole, you know, the caddy might say, uh, you need to land that 165 yards because it's going to keep running onto the green. The greens, it's it's fescue grass, so... Which is, you know, it just, just has like a, over, just like in uh, across the pond. There. Exactly, it's the the ground is your friend, and you can get lots of bumps and, and rolls. And and um, I've been reading this book by Fred Shoemaker called the uh, what's uh, extraordinary putting. And right. Fred's point about this book, and it's interesting about Shoemaker, is he, you know, he basically says, you know, it's a book about putting, but it's a book about your whole game, but. In, in past years, I've had some struggles around three-putting, some stories I created. So I go and play these golf courses, and the first couple of days, I, I shoot some pretty good numbers. But the greens are diabolical. I had a 130-foot oh, yeah. putt on one green. So <laughs> it, and I, and I, the, fir- the first couple of rounds, I three-putted you know, three or four times each day. But you know, you're going to three-putt from 135 feet. A couple times, I three-putted. Because I had to put up a wall, like it, it's not like three putting from twenty feet on a you know flat surface. I had one putt where I was, I was pointed away from, I was pointed toward the town. So, but but I started thinking, you know, I started to create the story of low, kind of like oh you know three putting. I don't want to three putt every hole, and I caught myself and I said, no, yeah. Howard, that's not what's happening here. You got to be reasonable. 
They're tough greens. You know, if you're out of position on the green, you're going to have a tough time two putting. Oh, yeah. But what I, what I kept reminding myself was some of those 10-footers I had for par, they all hit the hole. So I, I, was, I was putting. I, it was weird. I kept saying to myself, wow, your strokes never felt better. But but the ball's not going in the hole. I kept I kept giving myself uh, props for a good stroke as opposed to did it go in or not. Right. And so I got to sort of experience reframing what was going on. And then as the week wore on, like yesterday, in about the middle of our last round, I thought, you know, what is going on? Because my I, I noticed that my stroke was getting a little faster. And I was like, oh, because I I'm having this little. I don't know, anxiety around the fact that I, I, I three-putted again. And I thought, you know, what's... I, so I, I stopped and said, what's different? And I said, oh, I know what's different. I'm rushing it a little bit. So by rushing it a little bit, I'm now losing a little bit of my feel. So instead of cozing a 40-footer to a couple of feet, it's now six feet. And as soon as I thought that, I went, oh, okay. And I slowed my stroke down, and I never three-putted again for the rest of the round. But it was in the discovery, what Fred talks about, <clears throat> when you go away from awareness, can you come back to it? And to me, that was my favorite thing I learned this week was recognizing my tendency and then coming back to what's been working for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, like off-air, we were talking about meditation, if I, fo- I meditation, most people will focus on their breath. And what happens to everyone is we find ourselves in thinking. Right. And it's, it's in the awareness that, oh, I'm thinking. And the intention to bring it back to the breathing, that's awareness. And, and that's what happens to us constantly. We, we have the thing that we intend to do and then find ourselves in thought. And that happens all the time. So... I love the fact that you're, yeah, you're, you're using basically awareness to, to catch yourself and move you yourself to where you want to go. But the key word that you used a few times there was experience. So rather than being in your head and thoughts and judgments and, oh, I should be doing this and this, you were more, I'll run this by you. Let me know if it's, if it lands for you. You were in the experience of okay. being out there and just feeling the wind, hearing okay. the, the surf, all of that. I need you to pause. We're going to do a little podcast extra. I said we weren't, but we have too much to cover. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Uh, great to be with you on TSN. Thanks to uh, TaylorMade. Thanks to Adidas and Bushnell. We'll see you uh, next week. Hang on, everyone. More to come at uh, Swing Thoughts on Facebook. Feel all right when you hear the But you don't see too many faces. All right, it's our podcast extra. I, I said we weren't going to do it, but uh, I got some extra. We have to finish this off. So, you know, when Carl Morris, I talked to him last summer, and he said to me, you need to stop creating a story around your putting every time you three-putt because I don't do that when I, you know, hit a shot that doesn't land on the green and don't go, oh, there I go, not being able to hit my seven or the green. <laughs> um, but but I, I recognized early on that the greens there are, as I said, they're very tricky. And we played the cliffs twice. I'll just say the, the, the cliffs are so 
ridiculously beautiful. Some of the cold, the, like I, the guys I was playing with all played, have all played Pebble Beach. And as you come back on holes 16, 17, and 18 at the cliffs, you're basically all along the coastline. And the, you're looking down 100 feet onto the surf. And I just wow. said to the guys, I said, you know, I've been to Pebble Beach. I've never played it. But I said, this is, to me, every bit as beautiful, if not more. And they said, this golf course is better than Pebble Beach. Wow. It, it, you know, so you come back along the cliffs. It's stunning. The links, and I'm going to say this. To me, is more of a, a player's golf course. <clears throat> Not that the Cliffs isn't. It, it's beautiful and it's stunning. But I think golfers, players, are going to... We played three on the links and two on the Cliffs. And I could play the, I could play the links every day. The Cliffs, man, you gotta, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a tough golf course. And it's, you know, it's not easy. There are some funky things you need to, sh you know, but it's one of those ones you'd want to play a bunch of times. Are but, they both designed by Coor and Crenshaw? Yes. Yeah. Both? <clears throat> I think so. Okay. Um, but it really is one of those things where you, you, you should have a caddy. We had a great caddy. We had a, one of my friends uh, has a, a, a problem with his knees. So they only have four carts a day. And you, so we didn't have carts. He had a cart and a caddy, but the caddy was so great for us because he would say, you know, one of those classic things like, you have to hit it way over there because it's going to come way over here. And you're like, really? And then you, 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 <laughs> don't, you don't listen a couple times and the ball goes bounding through the green. But um, it, it, I can only say, like I said, I, it was a great experience, but as a learning thing for me, I, I, you know, rather than get caught up in the story of the putting, I decided that wasn't the story. Uh, that that's just where I am. It's a tough. It's not like playing golf at your home club. It's just different. So I. Just were, yeah. Well, what? Oh, I just want to get this point. So our listeners, I think they really get it. Rather than being caught in your thoughts of whatever they were, right? You were you were looking around. You were listening. You were hearing. You were feeling what was going. And I, I love the fact. Like when I was at Grey Wolf uh, a couple of weeks ago, I would just stand and I would just watch what was going on. I yeah. would just take it in. And it was like, and as we talked about before, I there was no point really taking pictures. And we took a couple of pictures of us with selfies, just yeah, us. Yeah. But, to, but to take scenery shots is is pointless. And one of the things that I, that I think is very interesting in our, our phone Oh, saturated world and we're always looking is that when I'm looking at my phone I am not in my experience if mm -hmm. I'm taking a picture of something I'm not experiencing what that thing is I'm in the I'm taking this picture thing that will I get some kind of future reward from looking back at it whereas I think there's just such a greater reward in completely being in the experience and just giving myself to all of it that's right there um and and I just find it. I get filled with gratitude, a sense of equanimity, uh, and I could just float. <laughs> I love all that. You're like without uh, drugs. You're like without the, drugs, people. You've just become it's the, a natural high. The Dylan Thomas of Guelph. It's unbelievable. You know, <laughs> I, I felt the same way. There's so many moments of the last four days because I we basically got there Monday afternoon, played 18 Monday, 18 Tuesday, 36 Wednesday, 18 Thursday, flew back. It was all golf all the time. And there were so many moments where 
while somebody else was getting ready for a shot, I would just turn and look and see where I was. And, you know, it's, 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 it's so funny that golf can take you to those places. Like I would never have traveled to Inverness, Nova Scotia, but to play Cabot links and Cabot cliffs. And once you're there, you're like, Oh, I get it. Some Canadians live like this. You know, last summer when we were in, uh, Rachel and I were in Victoria for the Canadian Mid-Am. Uh, after I, you know, missed the cut, we went on a little couple of day, you know, drive around the province. And I had the same feeling. I'm like, wow, you know, it's just quite the country we live in there. You know, when you're out in BC, you know, a lot of Ontarians haven't experienced that. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that, that, as you said, is wonderful about golf is just the setting we're in. And it happens over and over again, particularly in university golf with my players on the on the Griffins team they they so much want to come through for their teammates they you know if they're having a bad day they can really get into this story and really beat themselves up and and it's not uncommon for me just to walk up to one of them and see them staring a hole in their shoes and just say (laughs) hey look around see where you are and and when when they do they go like it's a magnificent the trees the birds the the air everything golf is just this wonderful thing to experience and yeah we all want to play well i get it and i get frustrated when i make oh an 11 Mm. (laughs) but and i get caught in my story but it's coming back it's coming back and experiencing what's really going on and then the physical environment is is real, and and if you experience it, it can be amazing. And that and that you can, if if that's your mindset, if that's the framing of the game, you can be consistent. As I said to you, I can't remember. I'm tired because it was before the show, but like there is, I've a, I seem to have found a consistency in my game, not in my golf swing, but in my game, and my game being, you know, if I start off. I apologize. I missed a little horse this morning because I've had no sleep. If I start off, let me put it this way. No matter how I start a round of golf, I know there'll be some, there'll be some moments where, you know, chaos will happen. I know there'll be some, maybe I'll make some birdies probably, and maybe I'll hit some good shots. Maybe I won't. What I love about playing golf like Cabot, and I, and I, and I would invite you to, you know, it's why not play like this all the time is you have to shape a lot of shots. You have to, it's not just hit a shot the same way all the time. <clears throat> like I said, I had a punch nine iron, one oh five, and I hit three wood downwind, almost three hundred yards. But in between, there's lots of, you know, you gotta kind of, you know, like there's cre- it, it 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 wakes your creative uh, ability to to move the golf ball around as opposed to just trying to make this perfect golf swing. But it also makes, I, I judge, when I have to hit shots, you know, I've been really fortunate enough to play in Ireland. It's eight or nine times. I've been to Scotland. When I, and when I have to play courses like that where I have to hit shots and be, as they say, creative, right? I play better. We all do. And I think it's because our body is responding to the challenge in front of us as opposed to, like you were saying, try and make a good golf swing, which, you know, which whatever that is. Because we, we think golf is make a good golf swing and golf will happen and reward us. But in actual right. fact, it doesn't matter what swing you're making. It's what shot are you about to hit? And sometimes I, I, we had this uh, discussion, me and the boys I was with. You know, sometimes when you haven't played somewhere and you have a caddy or a friend telling you, okay, it's par four, dog leg left, just aim it at that tree, you find yourself 
being able because you're you don't have the you play your course so much you sort of become numb to it. Yeah. But when when you have to awaken, oh, you mean that tree? I can't tell you how many times this caddy told me to hit it there, and I hit it there because yeah. I was completely connected with where there was versus where where I am trying to make this golf swing. I'm like, oh, like I hit some really nice draw three woods. I don't normally do that a lot. Like really, really swoop hook it. You know what I mean? Well, whatever mm. it was, I was so engaged in where the ball was supposed to go. And, uh, you know, and yesterday we played the links for our last round. And, and again, you know, I had eight greens in regulation on the front nine, and I shot three over. Because a couple of those greens in regulation put my ball in places, Tim, where I had to putt over a shed, <laughs> and then, and then it, it broke. It's so funny. One of the putts I hit, and I really thought I hit a good putt. Like, it was about a 40-footer, but over this big mound, and I thought, wow, that was pretty good. And then it almost went off the green. So you can't judge, am I a good putter or am I a bad boy, based on that. And, and I, but I started to feel myself like, God damn it, I was hitting it so good. And, and again, I, I'm like, okay, what's changed? What's different right now? And as I said, I slowed my, I just slowed myself down a little bit because I could feel myself overhitting things. Trying, yeah, you, could experience your, you, you could experience yourself as weird as that sounds. Exactly, though, but I did. And so on the back nine, I shot lower. And, and, but, but, I, but you can't, what I've learned over the last few years is to detach myself a little bit from my massive ego around the score. And and as Fred would say, ironically enough, if you can put your attention elsewhere, that that score stuff kind of just takes care of itself. And and I am really been getting very, very comfortable with not knowing what my score is. Like when we finished yesterday, because I wasn't keeping it. We had a bunch of games going. But when we finished yesterday, because I don't know the course very well, I couldn't have told you exactly what I shot. I knew it was... A few over par. I shot seventy five, but I didn't know. Nice. I didn't know what it was, so I shot thirty nine, thirty six. I didn't know what it was when we got finished. In fact, I asked one of the guys. I said, "Can I see the card?" Because I wasn't sure. I just knew that it was over, and I had a number, but I didn't know exactly. Um, and that—that's more more than anything for me. That is a real litmus test of where my mind is. I'm not accumulating score as a way to make myself feel better. Yeah, so what I take from that is that you were more I'm, I'm flogging this horse, I'm beating it to death but you were in your experience of, of just hitting shots, having fun, um, just being out in this amazing, I, I gotta think knowing it was your last round there, you were really taking it in, you know, the whole yeah. all the vistas, everything and yeah, it's amazing when we when I don't get myself all concerned with score, I can just sometimes look at the end and go, "Oh, I didn't know that." Actually, it was pretty good, as opposed to, "Oh, I'm six over par now." Yeah. Well, yeah. as you were after the first hole. Okay, that was a joke. Four over par. So here's the thing. Let's go back to the club championship, and it's the first hole, and you can't feel your hands, and you're not there. You know. Experience for me has taught me that the, the 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 best thing I can do is just get it started as as unchaotic as possible. And so, what I would ask you is now looking back on the experience of the club season at uh, Blue Springs, you know, what might you do different next time? What what could you do on the first hole next time 
And I know that first hole. And I and I think I said to you, you know, you don't need to hit driver on that hole. You don't need to do. You could hit a five iron and a five iron, be short of the green, chip up and make your par or bogey, and and the the day starts kind of. You know, you ease into the day. So what about what? So about, what did I learn from this? I learned to listen to big golf spiritual leaders. More. <laughs> <laughs> no, that quite honestly, I did a lot of journaling after after because that's what I do. People, I'm sensitive and I journal. Oh, um, don't you don't have to explain to people. You're, you don't have to explain yourself. You're fine. So I journaled a lot, and one of the things I got from it was that in in what I want to do in my golf, and it's and I'll just go with it in, in my life is to work on what, what am I conscious of? And I wasn't conscious of like, I, I was like so detached from my body and what, what the hell I was doing on those first few holes. I went, you know what? I, I don't ever want to be in that situation again in any part of my life, whatever's going on. If I'm in a, a an interesting conversation with my partner in life, Sandy, or, or on the highway or, or on the golf course, I want to be conscious of what I'm, my highest attribute is to be conscious and aware of what I am experiencing. And in that way, I will maintain, if that's my overall ambition, then things like golf score and writing a good book or a blog, they'll all take care of themselves. Yeah, They'll be fine. So it's just a matter of just changing my, you know, what's my focus? And if I have my focus on what am I experiencing right now? What's going on for me? The more I'm in tune with all that, the more I'll have all these lovely things that they refer to as flow and feeling of peace. And, and as a bonus, I'll perform better uh, at whatever I'm trying to do. Um, Well said. I mean, you know, you're never gonna, there, there won't be any stress-free, Anything's. I mean, stress is what, you know, whatever you want to define it as. But in a golf context, you know, you're going to be nervous on every first tee. I, on the 10th of September, I'm going to tee it up in a, in a big golf tournament. And I'm going to, um, you know, have to hit that first tee shot. I know it's coming, but I also know I've got four or five tournaments between now and then. And, you know, the more I can just... You know, I'm comfortable, and, and what what the only difference between us is that I just do it all the time, and so my chaos, it and it comes. You know, like you know, we that what you I didn't want to say this, but you describe most people on the first tee of a tournament, club set, championships, or something, will tend to pull it because we're not moving our bodies; we're just kind of moving, flailing our arms. Right. You know, we just flail at it. We don't we don't swing at it. That but, was a good flare. And, and, and but you know, again, <laughs> knowing that about myself, knowing that about how my body can tense up. So what do I? What do I? And I've learned this. I learned this lesson a long time ago. What's the shot I hit on the first tee of every tournament? I hit a hold off. What they describe on TV is a three fingered cut. I just squeeze a little extra hard with my left hand because I'm not letting that club face shut down. I'll flare. Lovely ex- you're talking experience there. That's but awesome. I'll, but I'll let it flare. I'll pop it up to the right. I don't care. I just because left uh, going yeah. left is is, is 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 it's hard to recover from. That yeah. first hole at Blue Springs. If I was your caddy and I could see that you were you know you know trembling. You know, I might say, I might say, hey, O'Connor, let's just hit a hybrid down the left-hand side and give me, like, overcut it. 
Like aim at those trees and 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 overdo it because then you're on the get right. It, but get the damn thing in play. Get it I in mean, place that, somehow. Yeah, that's that is just such a key. Um, yeah, I've been preaching that to clients. I've been, I've been, I work with a lot of young players who hit the ball a freaking mile. Yeah, they're so <clears> in <throat> love with distance. And I'm, and and I was out with on a. Um, I guess you call it a playing lesson on Monday night. And this, this young man, he's 19. He just hits it forever. And I'm just a couple times. So he's got, he pulls driver on, I think a three sixty yard hole. And I go like, why, why are you doing that? Cause there's no place to miss for one thing. And I said, all you need, you could hit a four iron and you're still going to have a wedge in your hand. Yeah, exactly. It's like, get the ball in play. You got, if you don't, find the ball or you don't have a shot you're never going to score and that to me is one of the key takeaways for you know that I was talk, we were talking earlier in the show about you know FedEx Cup and the scoring and even like strokes gained and a lot of people still struggle with that but one of the key findings from Mark Brody the guy who came up with it is that that whole thing about uh what is it drive for show putt for dough mm. is a complete fallacy if you don't ha- get the ball in play you ain't never going to score. Exactly. Um, I will tell you that uh, I have, um, I, I I can't remember. Uh, this is my daughter texting me, sorry. Um, I can't remember a time when I've been more consistent getting the ball in play off the tee. Like I shot five rounds of golf there at Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs. And uh, I think I, my highest round was 78. But mainly because I'm because I'm able to, and I'm hitting a bit of a cut now with my driver. I never used to. I used to try and draw it all the time, which led to chaos. Right. And so I, I'm hitting, you know, I'm not trying to swing as hard. I'm just trying to get it somewhere out there because, as you just said, you know, it just sets up the hole. And I'm I'm willing to take a longer second shot into whatever because... I'm because I, I used to hit a lot of fairways, but I would have a two or three times in a round where I would do something off the tee that ended the hole or made it difficult. Um, but I'm I'm committed to whatever I need to do to get it in play, even if that is, you know, there was a hole there. Uh, it's 315 yards, and everyone's hitting driver in my group, and I hit four iron every day. We played it because to me. You know, I only hit my four iron, like whatever, 190, 195 with the roll. It bounces. But not. I was on the fairway there every day, and I had a little longer club in. But that club is a wedge versus, yeah. a, versus a gap wedge. But if I hit driver on that hole, because one of the caddies said, you could probably get near the green. I go, maybe. But if I don't, I'm in that high crap over there. Exactly. And, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, because not it's not just, I would say, and I want to. I want to start to wrap up in a second. It's not just about lowering the score; it's about lowering your stress. Oh gosh, yes. And and having a a hundred and ten yard second shot versus a sixty yard second shot, but the stress of getting it. You know what I mean? I just I I want to keep my stress level down because it also leads to better decision making. All of the above, All the, and that's why you're golf spiritual leader. Okay. You bring this. It's it's not just knowledge but it's wisdom and it's it's this sageness <laughs> <laughs> that you have yeah lower my stress level i like that oh yeah golf is this supposed to be fun yeah <sighs> i totally get it here's uh i'm so you're talking to shoemaker in a few minutes i'm talking to him at noon 
He, uh, you know, he has this drill. We've talked about it before, the retinal after image. It's basically, you know, in the sunshine, if you stare at a, a spot on the ball and when the ball and you putt the ball or move the ball, there's an after image, a spot on the ground that if you notice that spot, you can start to notice other things. And a lot of golfers will go their whole lives and not ever experience that. But once you experience it, it's hard not to experience it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I've never asked Charles Fitzsimmons, but I think he does it because when I watch him putt, his head stays down for almost like a count of two after that ball is gone. So I'm not sure if it, whether he's doing that or not, but it distracts. But the other key part of it is it distracts your ego Chattery, your, your thinking, mind. doing it distracts it distracts your thinking or the, your doing part, so that your so it distracts your thinking part, so that your doing part can do what it's supposed to do. Hundred percent. So your body can just do it, and the body knows what to do. So Shoemaker says in his book about putting, he says, when you can really be there for one thing, you can begin to have it all. I'll finish with this: when you can begin, when you can be with the spot fully. Your awareness of the ball expands to include other things. And this is my favorite part of this. If you can't be there for one thing, nothing, nothing else will begin to show up. And it's what I said. That one of my favorite quotes in the last couple of weeks is, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And the more you can be there in, in putting, it'll expand to the rest of your kind of the way you play the rest of the game. Yeah. I, and I've been quoting you, GSL, Thank you. Humble Howard, Thank you. saying that that thing, how we show up in one way is how we show up in every everything. And that's why I, I, I made that comment a few minutes ago about, quite honestly, working on my consciousness. It sounds so woo, but it's practical woo, okay? <laughs> no, you, and, well, it's and, being aware of it. It's being aware of what's going on right now. So, you know, I can, so if I'm in a situation, I go, oh, I'm really tense right now. You know, or like even in traffic, you know, oh, I'm going to be late. And so I grip the steering wheel tighter and all this. And, oh, this makes it easier for me. Well, for some reason, we human beings feel like every day might be the day that nothing bad is going to happen. But something right. that there will be something that, uh, you know, can tweak you. I, I want to say this finally, you know, like I, I was around some really good golfers this week. Great guys. But I, I'm always interested to hear how other people talk about golf and how they whether they know that there's another game being played or they see golf the way you and I do. And and I just think that there's a richness to the game that's that, that there's so much there for us to learn about other parts of, of our lives and the way we show up and the integrity we have or don't have. And, you know, I just it's interesting. And, 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 and I think it's too bad. Like, there's so much to this that has nothing to do with what number you shot but I can see in my friends sometimes the way that, you know, that seems to have meaning to them. And I explained to one of my buddies, I said, you know, the number you shot is no, it's no indicator of what kind of guy you are. You know? You're, you know, and, and, but some people are, like I said, you know, what, what, what's the number that'll make you feel good about yourself? I mean, if you only feel good about yourself when the number is 70 something, there's a lot of time shooting in the eighties for you that you don't feel good. You know, like I I would like to shoot lower scores. Of course I would. But yeah. I but I knew going into this week that, you know, so if, if I didn't, you know, shoot my magic round, I'd be fine. We all have this idea that I think we think, oh, is today the day? <laughs> is today is today the day we're going to have the magic round? 
It can be, maybe, but maybe the uh, maybe the magic is just in the experience. I had a great time today. I had had a good time with the people I was playing with. Uh, I, I was distracted from some other things going on in my life, and oh, and maybe just maybe I learned something about yep. my golf game I can take into tomorrow. One of the things I've taken to saying on the 18th tee, I haven't told you this. I've been doing this now for some time. Uh, probably my on the 18th tee of any round I'm in. Uh, I've been doing this for probably my second summer. I do it just to see what kind of reaction it gets. On the 18th tee, I say, hey, gentlemen, listen, no matter what happens, it's been a pleasure serving with you today. You know, and, and it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, someti- yeah. it sometimes gets a reaction and sometimes gets a quizzical look. But what I sort of mean by, hey, we've all been out here. And I, 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 you know, I, 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 you know, Jonathan Wallet, one of our guests. He's the one that said, you know, there's time to build the boat and time to sail the boat. But oh, I love this. I love this. So when, yeah. you're, when you're out there sailing the boat with other men and women, you're experiencing it together. So when I get to 18, I go, you know what, folks? It's been great being out here at sea with you or serving with you. And I want to see what, if they get what I mean. We've, been, we've shared this experience today. And, and I don't wait till the handshake or hug on 18. I say it on the 18th tee. Because I, I, I want them to know that I've, I've appreciated being out here in the chaos with you. Because it was. It's freaking chaos. I, I love that. Uh, because it works with my water metaphor. <laughs> 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 and I have to go. I'm going to say yeah, this. Gotta and go. We got to wrap. Gotta go. I got to go. go. Gotta but go. anyways, um, I've looked at golf for a couple of years. I don't know. It's come to me. It's like. When we go on the first tee, it's kind of like where I'll hit the ball, and now we push the raft into the river, yep. and off we go on this journey. And down we go, and we have adventures, and things go on. And and what you're talking about on that 18th tee is kind of like we see the port. Yep. We see we're going to come back to land, and it's been a great time. And so let's make these last few minutes uh, on our raft or a boat really rich and it's it's been fun and i'm grateful to have the experience that's exactly so, what it is it's for me I'm glad it's we're like, working the same water metaphor it's kind of neat well that's what it is it's like uh, and, and i will say this to you it's been a pleasure serving with you today sir all the best uh i will uh will uh reconvene next week and uh good luck with uh fred shoemaker all right Paul, oh, take it'll care. be a great experience and you have one too it'd be fun to compare <laughs> yeah, notes we for should. sure all right man take care cheers bye Man is blowing Dixie